I'm David Quinones, joining me from the middle of his tour dates opening for Travis Tritt. You can catch him at the World Series this week. It's David Rosen. This is Bird Road. Welcome back, Dave. I like how you have a whole new introduction. I've always hated tell me. I've hated our introduction. <laughs> Dave, there's so many things about this podcast that I've found contemptible over the years. It, uh -huh. Like your participation, not the least. But like yeah, the but but the our, our introduction, I've been looking for a reason to change it. And yeah, I did. I changed it. I took executive action and changed it. So do yeah. do we have like a an, an Evernote notes document for this episode? I have I, an I, I have an Evernotes document that I uh, shared with you that you've chosen not to open. <laughs> Um, so yes, to answer I, I your question, you. it, it's right here. I'm reading off of it. Where else would it be? <laughs> oh yeah, it is there. It's totally there. And I've never seen it. Oh boy. So welcome back to the new season. Same as the last season, apparently. Um, nothing's changed. We've, uh, we're coming off of our, an extended break, our longest break that we've ever taken. We were very busy, various projects. I've been watching, uh, sorted YouTube videos about what was true and what wasn't true in the Wu-Tang Hulu show. I'm very obsessed with that show right now. And uh, Dave, what have you been up to apart from getting married? Yeah, I got married, of course, which I got to see you for the first time in forever. That's right. Uh, and I just released a new album during the break. So I'm excited about that. It's called The Dissection Table. The the the, the Sexual Tables? The Sexual Table. No, it's The Dissection Table. It's a horror movie about a guy who uh, he... he kills people on camera trying to get to the bottom of what's wrong with himself. It's, it's one of these dark messed up horror movies, but the score is super over the top electronic horror. The way I love to work. Is he a complicated protagonist that you're not sure whether or not you root for him or not? You, you just, you just can't tell. Is he, is he the hero? Is he the villain? It's just, you gotta watch to find out. Can't wait to watch it on my iPhone. Dave, mm -hmm. I'm nervous. Are you nervous? Is this like riding a bike? Can we just jump right back into this? Is is this uh, something we'll be able to continue doing? I mean, I feel like I feel I'm, like so far we're doing great. So I'm glad <laughs> that you still have the same overconfidence that defines the failure that is your life. Joe Biden had like a 60% approval rating last time we broadcast. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. um, we pretty much skipped the entire Delta virus all the old delta variant we just skipped it we just were like nah we're not doing that we could pretend we were sick the whole time yeah so. <laughs> that's right actually yes i'm gonna edit this out and make it sound like uh i'm gonna add a um a gate a, a, a noise filter to make it sound like we're both congested still mm, um yeah. but we do have big things planned this year we do hope that people stick around dave what do you got going on and can you also do me a favor and tell people where they can find us if they've forgotten over all these months well, they can find us at Bird Road Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you're David underscore Quinones. Uh, I mostly tweet from my at Piecing Pod for my Piecing It Together podcast, my other podcast. And what I have going on is more podcasting and more music, as usual. So we're starting strong with a, a big-time guest list for our, our first episode back, a big-time guest joining us. Dave, um, Usually we need to do a lot of guiding, a lot of hand-holding with our guests. We kind of have to show them the ropes, how to come off good on audio, how to, how to make their points salient, their takes strong. But this time we are actually joined by a fellow podcaster, somebody who can more than hold her own so we don't have to worry about any of that. Um, we are joined for, by uh, somebody north of the border. By that I mean the Miami-Dade border. Um, her name is Jen Perelman, and you know her as the host, along with uh, her co-host, Peter Hager, of um, Generational Change. 
Uh, you probably also remember, Jen, it wasn't that long ago that she um, ran a strong primary campaign against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, and uh, that was a campaign that uh, her partner, Peter, managed. Um, you can follow and know and learn and catch up with Jen over at Generational Change. And it's spelled like her name, J-E-N-Generationalchange.com. Um, and again... That's if you're into content that's made from north of the border in Miami. I, I understand it if you are. That's that's super cool. But Jen, welcome to Bird Road. Thank you so much for having me back on. Yeah, it's great. It's, we're, we're super glad to have you. Um, I call you guys the 305, and I don't often go to the 305. <laughs> well, you're where? You're in Davie, right? Like you're you're you're. I am, but I'm moving the plantation. Oh, okay. So I'm even moving a little further north, but yeah, same district. Yeah, there was a, there's the old cartoon where. Um, it was like a three-panel cartoon where it shows like driving on I-95 in West in Palm Beach County, and everything is fine with the two little cartoon characters. And then driving on through Broward, and their 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 knuckles start to kind of get a little white on the wheel. And then it's like driving through Miami Dade, and it's Fury Road. They have their face painted, and they're like, "I live, I die, I live again." And uh, I think that that's pretty much how folks from your neck of the woods see folks from my neck of the woods, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm bo I was born in North Miami, mm -hmm. so I'm from that area, you know, originally, and I have a lot of family in the south part of Miami, so I I, I feel like a townie, um, but uh, now I definitely prefer Broward. So we're gonna get into a few news and notes. We're just gonna kind of riff. We have, like I said, a, a pretty experienced um, uh, talker in you uh, to 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 have some fun with, and just kind of go through a few, um, you know, dipping our toes back into this podcasting and. Uh, and, and, and talk about some things in the headlines. But first, I wanted to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a chance to learn more about you. You took um, you took on Debbie Wasserman Schultz, like I said at the beginning, um, who is like a Democratic standard bearer. If somehow you don't know who uh, Debbie Washing Machine Schultz is. Um, she's someone who in many ways sort of represents the, the, the absolute worst instincts, the worst traits, the worst actions of the Democratic Party. Now, you didn't win, but I would imagine that it was a a real eye-opening experience, a learning experience. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that campaign and like what you learned, maybe what um, what 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 your what things your eyes were open to during that process. You know, I, I think that I have a different perspective on this probably than a lot of people. I actually, when we first started the campaign from the very beginning, um, decided that it was going to be a service campaign. So our volunteers, we did service all the time. Like that's what we did. And yeah, there was canvassing and stuff too. I mean, we did that too, but it was always a service campaign. And my attitude was this campaign in and of itself is part of this movement, right? If, if I win and get elected, great, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a perk, but really this was about really seeing how far we could get in this district with our message and just really see what would take off. And we, we almost got like 30%, uh, which with a $400,000 and a pandemic, um, mind you, which is, we were pretty pleased. Like, I, I mean, we, we went into this expecting to lose, like we were not delusional, um, but we were happy. And then we just kept the campaign kind of going in terms of, like I said, I mean, we are a service organization. Uh, we do things locally with service and then we help other candidates. We incorporated our group. You know, we've just really kept it going because, and I encourage all candidates to do this. That's one of the biggest problems I find on the left is that the campaign ends and then that person goes away and you never hear from them again. Or maybe you do the next time there's a camp, you know, they're running. 
but we need to keep momentum. And so we are very issue focused. Our show, um, we're nonpartisan. I did run as a Democrat because in Florida, as you know, that's, that's the man. You got to. It's, it yeah. is what it is. Um, but I have no allegiance to them. I won't contribute financially in any way to them because they take corporate dollars. And so I really feel like we, we used our campaign as an opportunity to forge this sort of new idea as to what a campaign should be. And I actually really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I mean, yeah, there were parts that were stressful, like anything, and it's hard. It's definitely hard work, but I found it very rewarding. And I think it's because I went into it with that mindset. You know, I think if people go into it with the mindset of it's all about just me winning the seat, you're, you're likely going to be very disappointed nine out of 10 times. So it's just, you got to find the bigger purpose, I think. And, and we, I think we did that. So I was really proud of our campaign and what we did. And I wasn't worried at all about her. I mean, she's been my Congresswoman forever. I don't find her remotely intimidating or threatening. I find her to be an insubordinate employee (laughs) and, um, I can only wish more people thought of it that way. Yeah. I think that's, that's funny that you say that talking about wishing that more of the constituents, particularly in districts like Florida district, um, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, mine, my, my district. Um, cause you guys focused and continue to focus in, in your podcast on, uh, workers and labor. And that's a very weak institution. Organized labor is weak in our neck of the woods. Like it's not, yeah. and I, and, and I really admired you for taking on that, um, that lens in your campaign. But I wonder if sometimes you felt like you were yelling into a void because there just isn't the vocabulary down here for people to understand like, I'm being exploited. I'm making 10 bucks and making my boss 90 bucks. It's not a language that we speak as easily down in South Florida. What was it like kind of centering labor issues and 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 and, and things like that in that campaign in a place where it's not like, I mean, we're not West Virginia, we're not Ohio, you know, we don't have that history um, of, 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 of movement. Yeah. Well, you know, Florida is a right to work state. I think we're one of, I don't know how many, but it's not the majority. It's like, we're definitely the minority of states that are right to work states. And so the unions are extremely weak here. Not that they're great anywhere, but they're extremely weak here. Uh, One of the big things we're pushing right now, we will be hosting, um, promoting a big rally for Black Friday, um, really promoting the PRO Act. Uh, The PRO Act is something that I do think would be a game changer for right to work states. I, on the one hand, love dealing with labor. First of all, the labor guys, and I hate to say guys because it's, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be like, you know, genderist or whatever, but um, I just, it's a very comfortable environment for me. I'm very comfortable around that group of people. And I feel like the more workers we meet, the more one we learn about their issues and what their needs are. And we do slowly build our movement. The biggest problem with labor is, um, basically management of labor, yeah. uh, the union bosses, union bosses and rank and file are very, very different things. So I'll always say like, I stand with labor hundred percent. Um, I don't always stand with the unions because as we've seen, and I've seen it here, our AFL CIO, the head of it is, his name is Dan Reynolds. And if people want to know in the Broward County area, why we can't have nice things and why things don't get done, I offer you Dan Reynolds. Um, and that's where all the unions, like the buck stops there as far as getting endorsements. He wouldn't even give me a screening. He is very, very entwined with Debbie. Very. So here we have the head of the AFL-CIO in Broward 
supporting a candidate who voted to fast track the TPP. This is a candidate that has never been on the side of labor. Um, she's basically a pro-choice Republican. And so the fact that she's the one who automatically gets the endorsements should tell people how, like, the dissonance between labor management and labor rank and file. And um, it's one of the basic walls we've been running up against. I mean, we've been chipping and chipping. We have gotten word um, that going forward, if we were to do another campaign, we have picked up a very significant union that would come out for us. Um, but we're, we're chipping away at it. And that's, that isn't the reason we support labor. I support labor because I believe that any movement forward for any values that I support are going to come through the labor movement. Um, but yeah, so we're chipping away at it, but labor is hard for sure. Dave, that reminds me a lot of like last, oh God, it was a year and a half ago now. It was pre-pandemic with the, um, you know, the most powerful union organization in Nevada when we were, when we were dealing with, um, the basically the hospitality workers refusal to back Bernie, even though to a man mm -hmm. and mostly woman, actually, um, to, to a woman, the rank and file supported Bernie in Nevada right. of the yeah. culinary union. And, and but that that union's leadership made a very political and frankly, just like a, a very kind of callow choice to to I believe I think they, they did something like they split between. Biden and Warren they, is what they said. They, they, they pulled like a New York that Times. Right. They pulled like the New York Times like waffling uh, type of decision. But that's great. I think that, you know, it, it, again, Nevada, another place where organized labor has deep, strong roots that is like that don't exist here. And yeah, that's awesome that if you guys do run again, hopefully you do, uh, that you made some inroads the, the, the first time around, uh, you know, with that really key constituency. And hopefully that, that can grow. Um, one thing that we noticed that I noticed that we were talking about a year ago, uh, exactly a year ago, like October of last year, I felt in Miami, and I'm interested to hear your, your, your take on this. It felt like there was something in the air and I know it was Trumpism. I know it was MAGA. I know that it was like that. He, you know, you say what you want about this guy, but he really did activate a lot of his people, the people that were, that, that, you know, were ultimately going to vote for him and support him. It felt like Miami, and maybe Broward is the case too, because both are the two big Democratic strongholds in this state, along with Orange County up up in near Orlando. Um, it felt like there was a a, a, a tangible right wing right right wing kind of lean or or turn. Did you feel any of that up up there? And like, how did that manifest when you were trying to talk to people? You know, it was so hard for us because as a grassroots campaign, obviously we were so um, dependent on uh, canvassing and yet COVID really hurt. So we, we ended up missing a lot of time that we would have been, which I do think affected us. But um, I get along very well with red people. And um, it's it's interesting. It's one of the things I get crap for amongst the local centrist party people here is that I do affiliate with Republicans. I go to their meetings. I know them. Um, I know what issues we agree on. And I've always gotten along with that group of people. When you, you know, so it's, I don't, I don't hate the MAGA people like a lot of people do. I don't. I understand to some extent where their anger, it's it's very righteous anger, I think. It's just, it's not the direction I would take it in. Um, but I understand that. I, I do feel that there has been such a dissatisfaction with politics as usual, with corporate cronyism, with the constant corruption, 
that when Trump came along, and granted, he did none of the things that he had campaigned on doing. I mean, he campaigned on a pretty populist message. Right. Um, he campaigned on, you know, workers and ending wars. And I mean, he didn't do any of that. But um, he was kind of pulling the curtain down and showing what the man behind the curtain looked like for a lot of people. And I think that people appreciated that. I even appreciated that. Uh, and so the kind of commentary I would get that seemed to support that was more that we're just so sick and tired of being, you know, spoken to with platitude salads. Um, and that's, so I, I get it where they're coming from. I really do. So, but I, I did sense that, but I don't know if it was so much red here as it was just very fed up with status quo. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's, that's a good, the, 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 the absolute just disdain for the status quo disdain for people who are reflective. I mean, this is my district is one of the most democratic leaning districts, not just in the state, but in the region, honestly, in the South. And the fact that a pretty milk toast uh, Republican woman was the um, was my my uh, congresswoman for more than a decade, and uh, today another milk toast, generally kind of middle of the road Republican woman is my congresswoman again. And it was only broken up for two years by somebody, Donna Shalala, who represented that status quo, right? And that immediately hit people the wrong way, I think, on both sides of the aisle, except for those few centrists that you were talking about, those very kind of like liberal standard yeah. bearers that were like, no, 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 she's great. She was in the Clinton administration. It's like, okay, you're saying that like a, a positive thing. That's not a selling <laughs> point. You're trying to sell me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's jump into some of these topics, all right? I pulled, we, we went calling through the news a little bit and um, just kind of want to chop up a few things and, and, and get your thoughts on them. And Dave, obviously, I want to hear from you too. Um, just not nearly as much, honestly. I'm not yeah, that interested fair. in what you have fair. to say. Uh, on Monday, today, uh, public intellectual, maybe the most prominent public intellectual on the left over the course of the last 70 years or so, Noam Chomsky, had a take on COVID-19 that drew a lot of scrutiny from a lot of people. Um, he he uh, made the point that, um, or let let his take be known that uh, that the that we should be looking for some kind of way to segregate vaccinated and unvaccinated people in the future. I'm less interested in this conversation and shitting on Noam Chomsky, who's 85 years old um, yeah. and has had some some laps in his judgment in recent years, as as many people know. But I mean, good luck if you're 85 and you haven't. Um, I'm more interested, though, in as Floridians, particularly South Floridians, this conversation about like, what do we do moving forward in a world where a solid one third of our state is is not going to participate? Forget it. We, we, we boil it down and make it black and white between like vax, anti-vax. But it's broader than that, right? Like we have a solid chunk of our state reflected in the Surgeon General's office now uh, of our state who are just not interested in any mitigation or trying to you know allay this or, or or trying to stop this um this this pandemic that's had such a profound effect effect over the last year and a half um the numbers are down cases are down uh there's probably going to be like seasonal undulations like this that are going to be better or worse better or worse um i'm just wondering what you think like what does the future look like particularly i think in a lot of media centers places like new york and la they don't think about this but you know, here in Florida, we do like, what is the new reality going to look like? I don't think that it should be conversations about segregation of people. I don't think that's ever good. 
But um, but it is a conversation we should have. Like, how are we going to do this going forward if there's a solid chunk of us who you know are just n- are are just not going to participate in the behavior that you associate with mitigating the effects of the disease? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I'm very I was vaccinated, but only fairly recently. I was definitely not gung ho. I uh, the only reason I got vaccinated is my husband got me tickets to James Taylor and Jackson Brown, and they're requiring it. <laughs> um, and a girl, girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. But um, I, and and also let me preface that with I've had COVID twice, so I didn't feel like from a scientific perspective that for me it was something that I needed to do. Um, that being said, I am very, um, not fear-based in how I approach things. And I'm also very much a supporter of civil liberties. So the idea of labeling people or separating people is completely unacceptable to me. I think that, you know, this is really more like flu shots than anything like smallpox or polio. I mean, this does not provide sterility immunity. We know that. That's not, that's not you know, conspiracy. That's a fact. We already know that it's going to have variants and seasons and people might need boosters and we're going to, I mean, we already know that. So I really think that this is something that, yeah, it's a new normal and it's going to be something basically like flu season. There's going to be COVID season and it's going to get harsher and harsher. And I I think that's the case with so many things. COVID's just one of those things. I mean, we're going to start to see all sorts of things as a result of climate issues. But, um, and I don't, and I think that that's also part of the COVID. I think it's all connected. Like we're just putting out such bad mojo for lack of a better word. And it's all coming back to bite us in the ass. But I do think there's going to be people that because of their vulnerability, um, maybe you're going to have to stay home and stay out of things. And, and that is going to be the new normal. And that sucks. But I can't, I will never support like putting scarlet, you know, C's on people as like that they weren't vaccinated and segregating them. And because it doesn't provide sterility immunity. So that's why we have to categorize this different than we would with something like smallpox. It's not the same thing. Um, and, and we just have to accept that this is the new normal. I mean, that's what I think. And I also am kind of a very much a hermit. So for me, it's, it's kind of not that big of a difference in any way, but, um, yeah. yeah you're speaking, <laughs> you too. You're speaking you Dave's lang- language. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. I'm in heaven yeah. over here, but yeah. Exactly. Like, right. It wasn't a big deal. It hurt us campaign wise, but personally it was like, you mean I don't have to go to dem clubs and stand up and talk in front of a whole room full of people? All right. Yeah. Nope, that's fine with me. Dave, your wedding I'll just share it on Facebook. I'm good. Your wedding your <laughs> wedding didn't turn out to be a super spreader, did it? Did you ever hear back from anybody getting We haven't heard of anybody getting anything. So Where yeah. did you get married? Uh here in Las Vegas, uh up, up at this uh, place Mount Charleston, um and yeah, it was uh, just shy of 100 people and, you know, they they told us once we get inside, you know, we could do whatever we want as far as masks, you know, masks in the lobby, yes, but once we get in the room, you know, whatever we want. And yeah, everyone was fine. And of course, barely anybody wore masks. So. Yeah, no, my, right. my, my, my personal um, safety measures kind of got like eroded during the course of the evening as I was drinking. Yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. more I was drinking, uh, the, the more <laughs> yeah. caution I was throwing to the wind. Sure. Um, no, but Jen, that's a really good point, though, because like, I feel like, okay, forget about the specifics of, of the what has turned into a political issue, right? This public health issue. Yeah. Like this, the particular contours of this debate, fuck it, forget that for a second. It feels like the way that it played out, like it's a very bleak harbinger 
for these other society-wide breakdowns that we know are going to come in the form of, I mean, like we can throw it all into the box of climate change, but it's going to, it's going to be such a many splendored thing, right? It's going to be so many different types of ways when like, you know, Turkey point fails or when like, you know, when, when, uh, when, you know, the algae bloom goes from like shit, the, the, the beaches in Fort Lauderdale were some of the first beaches that were getting eroded back in the late nineties. I mean, Whatever the thing comes, whatever thing comes, whether it's another disease, it feels like this was a little bit of a test and we just, we couldn't get on the same page. Like, it, it just feels like we, we, we failed the test kind of. Oh, I think we fail the tests all the time. Like, I, I feel like we're always <laughs> failing the test. We are very into tribalism. We're very into teams. We have to feel like there is a bad guy. We need to create the bad guy. And then we just tell a party line or a team line, and we don't bother to use reason anymore. Nuance is completely gone. Um, everybody is, if you don't agree with me in 100% of the way, you're just, we can't have anything to do with you. And yeah. when, with that mindset, Every single thing that we face is going to be this kind of pain as far as coming to any sort of reason or consensus. And the other big problem that we have, and this is in this country in particular, is we have no concept of the importance of the collective. We don't give a crap about the collective in this country. If we cared about the collective, we'd have health care. Um, we, we just don't care about that. We are very, every man for himself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the American way. We don't give a crap. And in other countries, that's the thing. Like, you could go up to, like, a very conservative person, like, in the U.K., who would be a conservative there. They right. still think people should have health care and not have to go into debt. So, you know, our, we are so far gone in this country ideologically um, that dealing with issues in a pragmatic way based on reason and science is getting harder and harder because we're like all it, it's just a whole country of like cultic cultish ideologues fighting you know right. even even among the left like we, you it's like you can't be pure enough and if you oh well you're talking to them well they didn't agree to it like just all of it you know and it's right. that's why we can't get anywhere i i mean yeah you know, i mean you talk you talk to you talk to the typical tory in in the uk and Proposed that they, they might have like some pretty draconian and bad ideas about what to do with the with the NIH, but they're not going to say get rid of it. No, because they know that that politically number one politically that's death. Because as soon as you give somebody something like that, good luck trying to take it away. And then number two, they also know it's just for the best. Like it's the better system versus this like Franken Frankenstein privatized monster that we endure in this country and that we've all just kind of. Come to agree that oh, it's almost November. It's time to do open enrollment again. Who the fuck knows what is going to happen this month or this year? I might get my 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 premiums might go up twenty five percent, just like they have every year for the past you know since I've been an adult in the workforce. You know. Yeah. No, we're like we're like battered spouses. Um, yeah. We. It's what we come really to expect. Don't think we, we think deserve we deserve it. it. We think we deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like when you talk to people and you say things like this, they're like, "Well, how are you going to pay for it?" I'm like. We're already paying for it. The difference is we'll get the benefit instead of profiteers and, uh, and interest holders. Okay. Like the money is getting paid in. Like it's, it's so people cannot wrap their heads around this. Yeah. I had to explain this to um, dipshit over here. We were talking about, uh, <laughs> Dave, why don't you tell him about my idea for how we change Hollywood? What do we, what do we do to Hollywood? Central planning. It's all central planning. 
Yeah, it, it was very complicated. I, I it don't, wasn't I don't complicated. Even know how to describe it. You're just simple minded. Centralized. Central planning is one of the biggest problems that we're having. Yeah, we have no. Yeah, everything is an industry. Everything is this like freestanding, uh, you know, market that is you know governed by these whims and momentary you know waves of of uh, interest over here and then interest over there and then yeah. speculation back on the other side. So yeah, and I think you touched on something important there. The, the idea of the collective versus the individual. Um, I mean, this country is obviously historically famous for lionizing the, you know, the portrayals of the individual and, and like, you know, making that really, really central to our, our core identity. And um, I, I wanted to use that as kind of a segue to talk about our governor who um, has invited over the course of the last few days, a guy who is a advocate for the individual uh, at the expense of the, of the many or of the collective. Um, our governor, Ron DeSantis, says, uh, was on Maria, Maria Bartiromo's show the other day, inviting unvaccinated police officers to move to Florida and get a $5,000 bonus to relocate. Um, I, I kind of want to pair this because that's just like a silly, stupid media story, kind of. But I, I, I want to pair it up with like the more recent headlines. And I don't know if you've been following this. I'm sure you have because I think I've seen you retweet some stuff about this. But um, uh, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, uh, who is our new... Surgeon General here in Florida, um, is you know he was he was taking meetings to sort of uh, gin up support for his nomination uh, in the Capitol, and I, I believe he was in the Capitol, but he was meeting with a Tampa a Tampa area um, state senator to try to secure her vote or at least be able to check her off his list and say that I met with her, um, and this is a woman who has a recent um, cancer diagnosis and made the the request, please, Mister you know, incoming surgeon general of Florida for our indoor meeting that we're sitting down and having together. Can you please wear a mask? I have a cancer diagnosis and he refused to. And I, I just, it's, it's just some crazy shit, man. I don't, I, I don't know how to process this kind of stuff. I feel like it's all at this point. It's, it's, it's like, it's like when it's like when you're playing monopoly and you just add like extra houses on that one, block that you own even though you already can bankrupt somebody just by it's like everything is overkill right now everything is overkill in the messaging and i don't know were you paying attention to any of that story what's your impression I, of the i wasn't but it sounds par for the course this is like one of those things where this is just the hill they want to die on and and yeah. it's it, it's it's really it's really that whole cutting off your nose to spite your face at this point because you know and i am very science-based but masks work they do they spread it reduces the spread it just does that's why flu season was almost non-existent last year so i mean th it does work so for somebody to be so inconsiderate and disrespectful like what's the point of that other than they're more concerned with being right like to them it's right. all about mm -hmm. it is it's like they want to die on that hill and they don't care and for me even if you are right like let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say that you're right so the lady wants you to wear a mask. Put a mask on your friggin' face. Just it's it's just people cannot just get along. Like they have to take a stand on everything. It's it's really frustrating. So I mean, I don't know this specific story, but that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, it we sounds do... like gamer culture has uh, infiltrated exactly. yes. the rest the rest of the culture. <laughs> it's very gamer culture. Like you forced me to do this. Why do I have to do this? I mean, again, even divorced from this particular issue. You walk into somebody's house and they just say, "Oh, can you take off your shoes?" And you just you do, 
Mm-hmm. Or you tell them, like, there's a really disgusting reason you guys don't want me to take my shoes off. Trust me. Like, let me, I just, I'm going to keep them on and just believe me when I say it's for the collective good. But, but, like, seriously, you go into a house of worship, you take your hat off. Like, all these things, like, we can argue over the veracity or not even argue over the veracity of, like, how important they are and how much they truly matter. How much do you really care that I take my hat off or not? It's like, just do it. Like, it, the, 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 I don't know. I don't want to sound too, like, pusillanimous on this stuff. But it's like, you know, let's all live together and, like, not make each other feel like shit all the time. These like, are let's, not like... issues worth fighting over. That's the point. <laughs> right, like, exactly. There's no, there's no reason to do that. There are so many more important things. And quite honestly, like, I hate wearing a mask. I don't like to go oh, out I hate it. I hate, I hate wearing it a mask. so much. But I do because I think it's considerate to other people. Right. So it's... I just, again, I just think people are very focused on being right and their own rights and not as concerned with the responsibility to other people around them. And I, it's just in general, it's a, it's, it's a travesty. This country, that's what this showed me the most was COVID. It's just how little people are concerned for other people. Yeah. It's, it's like, (laughs) it's funny because like Dave and I have talked about this before where it's like, just like not like we've we've made the joke about like well i guess how how much are we going to hate the ma- wearing the masks that we eventually just become a conservative show and just say fuck yeah. it like and just become <laughs> like a right wing show but like i it. mean like it's not fun and then like yeah it it's like it's it's based off of the most petty small things and uh, i don't know um again i would tell people if you're just I don't know why you would be just tuning in. It's a podcast. There's intentionality involved. You clicked on it, you downloaded it, and you're listening. But if you're just tuning in right now somehow, if your finger slipped to the middle of the of the bar where you... Does that uh, still count as a download if they listen from the middle? I they're fucking better. I have like a whole team of Filipino bots that are like uh, downloading this show um, to make it seem like, uh, like, like people are listening from the middle. No, but if you... If you um, if you didn't hear at the beginning, I should say, Generational Change is the name of Jen's podcast. And one of the more recent episodes, they were talking about this. Uh, what It hasn't been really an argument for that long, but it feels like we've been arguing about it for 150 years at this point, which is like the concept or the role that electoralism plays and whether or not electoralism is used co- sort of as a pejorative. Dave, you know these people. You know who I'm talking about. We actually, we literally do know some of these people who tell you that like you're a rube if you're taking part in supporting any candidates at all because the f- entire framework is broken and therefore mm-hmm. you participating in it is just furtherance of of, uh, of of the broken framework, which I think is bullshit. I mean, like you and I both worked pretty hard for Bernie last uh, uh, two years ago and, uh, you know, we've done a lot of electoral work, honestly. I can feel their frustration, however, as I like sort of appraise a lot of these upcoming state uh, state races that we're looking at. Particularly, it's not a state race; it's um you know a U.S. Senate race, but it's here in the state. Um, not great options, man. Uh, no, are you you're governor, talking about not, uh, not Marco Rubio's seat? Yeah, Marco specifically. Marco Marco Rubio will be up in 2022. Um, I remember. I'm old enough to remember 2016 when it seemed like he was dead in the water. It seemed like he actually said he was not going to run back in 2016, and uh, and and then did um, after his aborted attempt at um, trying to trying to take on Donald Trump, fi- punching way above his weight uh. class. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really. I, I'd really be 
with the context of me saying that, like, I'm not that excited about any of the candidates I'm seeing on the Democrat side running for governor or for or, or for that Senate seat. Jen, I don't know. What do you think? Is there anybody that's like caught your eye that maybe I should I should yeah, give a chance actually, to? Yeah, actually, for not for governor. For governor, we're host, and you're going to be Ron DeSantis again, and then you're going to have him for president in 24. Um, so enjoy <laughs> I that. I told you, Dave. Enjoy that. Yeah. Um, no, there's nobody for governor. I, I can't because really right now you've got what Charlie Crist. Um, Nikki Freed, and I think now yeah. Annette Tadeo is jumping in, which I think has something to do with strategically blocking Nikki in South Florida in favor of being yeah. Charlie's lieutenant governor kind of thing. Like, I think yeah. there's a strategy involved there, but yeah, there's no great option. Yeah, she doesn't have, yeah, that, that's true. Annette, Annette Tadeo, um, who's had kind words about this show before, but honestly had very unkind words about Bernie during a very critical moment for, for Bernie. So, like, we're no fans of hers here, but. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense what you just yeah, said. Yeah, I think that's what happened. I don't yeah. th I think that once Nikki got in, I think that her that Annette and Charlie probably had some sort of like discussion about it. Um, some Faustian bargain. But the Senate race, I do. I, there are actually three good Democratic candidates that are non-corporate and not taking any corporate money because we will only platform non-corporate candidates. Um, so you've got Alan Ellison, who we've had on the show a while ago. He was one of the first candidates we had on. Uh, we'll have to bring, we're going to bring all these people back. Uh, we also had Josh Wheel on, um, Josh Wheel. He was also another really good candidate. And you've got uh, Ken Russell. Is it Russell? I want to say it's Russell. He's the Miami surfer. The surfer. I Miami know Ken. City. He's been on the show. Yeah. 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 He's also a really good candidate. We, all three of them, I very much liked. Um, you know, the fact that they're going to be, the establishment's going to, of course, be all in for Val Demings. Uh, and they're, you know, they're getting in behind that. We're obviously going to put, and all three of the candidates I liked, each one of them was very clear that they would support and get behind whichever one of those candidates, you know, was doing the best and getting the votes. Like, so I appreciated that about them. Um, but yeah, I liked all three of those guys to honestly. Okay. And then, you, you know, there's Alan Grayson, but I mean that he just, uh, it's Alan Grayson has some fascinating history i will say like it's not skeletons in the closet type stuff but i it, and it's very difficult to understand like some of this stuff like he it turned out i guess he had been married to a woman for a very long time and it turned out that she had been married before and so he had some kind of weird annulment even though they had a bunch of kids and like i mean that's not his fault or anything but he's just one of those really star-crossed guys i don't say that as a criticism of him but he just has like weird backstory. He's got a lot and, of baggage. And the other yeah, thing. Yeah, baggage is a great word the, for it. Yeah. And the other thing about him, and he's a nice guy. I've met him. This isn't like a personal thing. Um, and actually, I know that he's friendly with Marianne Williamson. And she had actually called me a couple months ago and was just sort of picking my brain about it as well because when he was first getting into this race. Um, the biggest problem that I think he faces is he won't get support of progressives. And in order to be able to be successful, uh, you have to have the progressives here. You, you, there's no way you're going to beat Marco Rubio without really without getting the left left. And Alan Grayson has been way too um, on board with Israel and has mm -hmm. alienated a lot of progressives, um, myself included. Like he has said some things that are just really old school and just not going to fly anymore. So I think that that is the one thing that will separate him from those other three that I think are more viable, being able to get support from the left. That, that's, that goes to something that you said on, on one of your more recent episodes where you said, 
um, in a very exasperated way, which I, I completely jibe with. It's like, give us something to vote for. Like, not just the thing to vote against, which is kind of what they're doing again. Vote against Ron DeSantis. He sucks. It's like, okay. Vote against Marco Rubio. He sucks. All right. I guess I'm voting against him now. And I, I voted against Trump two years ago. And, you know, I guess I'm just going to be voting against stuff forever, right? Like, give us fucking something to vote for, right? I agree. I mean, look, this is definitely the problem with more on the left. And I've said this to everybody who's come on the show. I, we, you know, we had... um. We've had Anna Eskamani on not that long ago, and and anytime, especially when I'm talking to people that go to Tallahassee, and I'm I'm like, it's we're always on defense. We're always on defense. We're always we're always having the fight against whatever nonsense they're putting up. There's never any offense. We have no game whatsoever, and the Democratic Party in our state is extremely neutered. We only exist in like six counties. Um, yeah. It's extremely pitiful. Our state party is run by a Republican. Are there are state parties two biggest donors are like Walmart and Big Sugar, you know? There was something like, if I'm not mistaken, in your your uh, cycle that just got done with, um, there was something like 20 seats that Democrats didn't even put a challenger in uh, up through you know Alaska and oh, all through yeah, the north. They, don't even they didn't even try. They don't There's they no bother. infrastructure. They have no infrastructure. Right. Um, our Broward DEC hasn't made quorum in like five years. Um, so there's no, and, and, and truthfully, when you look at the people that are really in charge of the state level party, people like my Congresswoman, who mm -hmm. I believe is largely responsible for putting our current head of the Florida democratic party in his spot by saying, Hey, Mike Bloomberg, who do you want to hire to put in charge of your new party that you just bought? And there it went. But you know, those people in charge they don't want to mount challenges. They like it the way it is. They like having right. this sort of feckless party because for the same reason, I think Nancy Pelosi liked having Trump in office. You get to be Mick resistance. You don't have to actually do anything. And you, all you have to do is blame the Republicans. And for someone like Debbie in particular, that's all her policies anyway. So she, like, I, I think that they don't mount challenges because they like it. <laughs> they like the way it is. And um, it serves yeah. them. Yeah, that it's funny because that new head of the of the Democratic parties in, in the state um, is I'm again I'm old enough to remember when he was the mayor of my city when he was the mayor of Miami, mm -hmm. and uh, we're talking about Manny Diaz here just in case not to beat around the bush. Um, Manny Diaz was one of the most outwardly corrupt guys that, that that we've had in city government. He was one of the architects who helped sh shove through what would end up being multi billion dollars worth of bad debt onto Miami um, Miami and Miami-Dade taxpayers in the form of the Florida Marlins Stadium. And it's just such like a perfect liberal move where it's like, no, this will create jobs. And then this is going to create opportunity in a impoverished area. And it's like, yeah, the Marlin games are fun. I like Marlin games. But let's not pretend that they're changing the you know contours of Little Havana for the better in any kind of way. Like that's not what's going on. It was about front row seats and skyboxes and things like that. Um, which, you know, friend of the show, Billy Corbin, you, you can hear him talk at no short length about all the time whenever, he, whenever he's speaking. What a bad deal that Marlins Stadium was for us. And those are the people running the state party now. A state party that's fresh off of scandal after scandal after failure after failure, backing the wrong horse every time. I mean, I get it with, with, with your opponent. Like, she was basically 
one of their architects. Obviously, they weren't going to back her. They weren't going to um, back you. I, I, that was never a consideration. But then there are a lot of other campaigns. Like, I mean, there are people that, that we really like on this show, like Elijah Manley. Uh, what about what about him? Love Have him, Elijah like, Manley. Put put the state and 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 national um, you know coffers behind an exciting and fun young candidate. You know who can get out there and do something Not or who has happen. a fresh voice. Not going to happen. No, Absolutely. no. Elijah has <laughs> proclaimed himself a socialist. He mm -hmm. he also is a member of the queer community. Like he's got the so many things against him from the perspective of the mainstream and what they. I mean, to me, he represents everything that I want electoral politics to look like. Like to me, and I he's yeah. like a kid to me. Um, he and he's very important to me locally. Like I just he's somebody that I really care about, and I would love for there to be like a million Elijah Manleys around the country because that's yeah. the future of anything good in this country. So let me be clear. And our party at a local level, they're not about that. They're about, no. they're about corruption and developer money and looking the other way. And they're not about somebody coming in and talking about socialism. Yeah, no. No, they're not. No, they're, it's a gala party. It's a limousine liberal party it is. In, it's in, very Miami, in South Florida. It's yeah. very elitist. Yeah, very elitist. And, and Elijah doesn't play with that. So. Yeah. There are a few other folks that, I mean, like, they're, they're not running for the seats that have the kind of uh, power or draw that we're, we were talking about a moment ago. But, like, when I think about guys like Mike Hepburn, I don't know if you've had him on the show or not. Sure. Yeah. No, I haven't, but I should. I love him. He and I were BNC slate mates when he was originally oh, okay. running for 27. Yeah, so Mike is running for the city commission in, in, in Miami. He's, uh, I think, in, in District 5 in, in the city, not the county, so I won't be able to yeah. vote for him. Um, Max Martinez, who's probably going to get crushed in, in against uh, – uh, Francis Suarez as a, but is has I think a bright future as a um, as as a a pretty rational probably not quite doesn't quite line up with me and Dave's tastes but like uh, would be a thousand times better than like what we've had in the mayor's office since at least since I've lived here um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him or not or if you if you have seen no him. I don't I don't I don't know him I mean you he's know, gotten a little bit of a media freeze out like they have they, they, the the Herald didn't even acknowledge him in one of their more recent um, op-eds oh and... so he's he's a fellow he's a fellow friend of mine yeah. then um, <laughs> I will never grant an interview to the Herald or the Sun Sentinel ever in my life ever going forward I will never speak to them um, I have nothing to say to them. No. They're, they're rags. They're total hacks. Yep. They're not even, I mean, that's not even news. I don't know wh whatever. Um, no, I haven't spoken to him, but I would be happy. I'll platform really. We've had commissioner, um, people on usually people within the municipalities in that we are in our district, just cause that's who we've come into contact with and know, but, um, yeah, I'll platform anybody like that. No, there was a great, sure. there was a great, it was a kind of a video or if it was, if he just sort of recounted it in a, in a post, but he has a selfie from about a year ago. Cause he's been, uh, Max Martinez we're talking about has been running, um, this campaign against Suarez, who I think is one of the worst mayors in this, in this country. I, I can't stand um, Suarez for a million reasons. Ones that we've talked about deconstructed on the show before Dave, but on dinner key in the city of Miami city hall, taking a sort of a selfie like this and, and Francis Suarez asking him like, Oh, well, uh, how should I know you? And he's like, Oh, I'm the guy that's running to beat you. And I'm going to beat you in a year and a half. And uh, I thought that was a, a, you know, a great way to a great brand of politics that you don't usually see on the left. You don't see a lot of bare knuckle. You don't see a lot of people being kind of tougher and, and, and fighting out these things, gutting these things out. I really liked 
Um, I like the way, frankly, you did your campaign and a lot of folks like you, Elijah, um, a lot of folks whose campaigns were ultimately destined not not to prevail, but like you got hit with this COVID pandemic and dug in trench. Dave out out in Vegas, right? Amy Valella, a lot of these other people that we've had on the show, who mm-hmm. um, you know they 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 you told we told the world told them you're fucked because you're the small guy and you are also doubly impacted because of um, because of this pandemic that everybody's going to have to deal with. And instead, they didn't realize they were dealing with organizers. And these people dug in and actually put in a, a little bit more fight. I didn't see Shalala doing that. And I live in her district. I didn't see across, across Bird Road from me. I didn't see Mukarsal um, Powell, frankly, doing that. And I live 10 blocks from her district. So it's, 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 it's a fight that is missing on a state and a national level. And uh, I look at these, these, these folks like yourself and some of these young guys and like, it's like, I would really love to see that fight manifest on a larger platform and not just be the people who are always destined to have the machinery working against them all the time. Well, we are destined to have the machine working against us, but I will say we are chipping away at it. And I think that, you know, you were talking before about this sort of, we, Peter and I refer to it as the nihilism on the left, where they're just basically, you know, they've, they're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, they're just done. And if you're, you're a sellout if this, you're a sellout if that. But the reality is, we do live within the parameters of this government. Mm-hmm. We do. We all live within it. The rules affect us. So, you know, I, we believe in an inside-outside strategy. I think activism is completely necessary and needs to work in tandem with the people on the inside. But if you don't have people on the inside to actually execute policy, then how is that going to ever happen unless you're just saying you support anarchy, mm-hmm. you know? And, okay, I know people that that's their thing too. But but, that's a different conversation. You know, <laughs> that's a different conversation. But, I mean, right now this is the menu. Right. Like this is the menu. This is what we have to work with. And it's frustrating um, how comfortable people like Donna Shalala and Debbie Mercer Powell were. Just They were just sitting there. Because they haven't really had to work for that. Nope. It's just been handed to them. Um, and, you know, Debbie, our, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she did come out. You know, she was definitely hitting the polls. I think we definitely made her nervous. Uh, she obviously got some polling information that she didn't like because she was out in person and, and doing that. But for the most part, they're all just very comfortable, and they know that they, they don't really have to do much. And it's unacceptable. And, and the more we chip away at it, we are making a dent. I mean, think about this. Before 2016, which is only five years ago. Are you sure? Was... I want to check my math on that because uh, 2016 honestly feels like 40 years ago. But <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I, I know, but people, and that's the thing with the left. Like they want their, you know, they want an oompa loompa now. Right. But like, but it, it was only then that you, uh, Medicare for all was sort of just common language. Right. So then in 2018, you had a handful of non-corporate candidates break through for the first time ever. So that's only. 2018 and then in 20 we got a couple more so it's hard for me to be too defeatist when i see that there has been progress and then yes when people get in i feel their disappointment when you have certain people get elected and then they're not doing what you think they're supposed to do i get that um but a lot of them are 
You know, they focus so much on somebody like AOC. First of all, we idolize people that we shouldn't idolize. Politicians should not be on pedestals. They're they're public servants. We shouldn't make them heroes any more than we should be making them villains. It's just, they're just people. Um, Well, the rare exception would be the undertaker is now the mayor of a town in Tennessee. So he can be a villain. That's okay. He was the undertaker. No, I mean, it's all good, but I mean, it doesn't solve the problems. (laughs) But then I look at people like Ilhan Omar and Katie Porter um, that, to me represent everything that I want. You know, when I watch Katie Porter grill somebody in like big pharma or whatever she's doing, I could sit there with popcorn and watch. I'm like, you go like, that's what we want. And so 10 years ago, we didn't have any of those people. Um, And so I would, I would suggest that maybe we have made some progress, not as much as we want. And a lot of them do tend to bend the knee when they get there. Um, But a lot of it has to do with playing a longer game. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like you have to really balance how many feathers you want to ruffle now um, if it's worth it, you're not getting what you want next year that you know will help this many people. And that's something that people on the outside do not understand. Um, and, and it is important because that's how the inside strategy works. That's how it works. So the, for the people that are on the inside, you have to play the inside game. Um and yet we still need people on the outside playing that game. So, I mean, I just think everybody needs to appreciate everyone else's lane and not be so critical that it isn't exactly what you would do, the exact way you would do it. Unless somebody is taking corporate money, I'm not calling them a sellout. Um, that's just, you know, Bernie is not a sellout. Right. And I'm never going to, I'm not going to ever accept that that's the case. Uh, you might not agree with him. Uh, but that's a different story. No, but there, and I you, feel the same way. There's there's something to your point though about the idolatry, right? And in terms of yes. like uh, people who listen to the show know that I'm um, that my day job is as a, a corporate communications whore, and like that's what I do. That's how I keep a roof over my head. And frequently we will have clients that will come to us and say like, okay, we've got this brand new burgeoning part of our brand. Like who we want to make the chief um, whatever be the, the spokesperson for it, put him on commercials, have him do sit downs, TV. And a lot of time, a lot of times what we'll suggest is, well, why don't we, why don't we call a designer and create a character? Why don't we create something else? Because I can control the Noid, right? But I can't control Jared Fogle. Jared Fogle's out right. doing shit in his life. I can make the Noid do whatever I want the Noid to do. And I never have the to. The not going rogue. He's not going rogue, and he has to listen to me now. I, and I, we laugh, but like in politics, that happens. People put too much faith and fandom into yes. into these people who are public servants at the end of the day, and shouldn't be exalted in that way. They should be exalted in terms. Nor of should we have to agree with them on everything, right? I yeah. mean, it, it, that's that's the thing. It's like you can agree with somebody on some things and not on other things, and that doesn't make them a horrible person. Um, but I would also say, like, I don't think we should have people on money any more than I think people should be mascots of teams. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think that these are not – we shouldn't have people on pedestals, period. That's just not – it doesn't serve us. It just creates heroes and villains, and it's, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, we had <laughs> – down here in Miami, very famously, up until a few years ago, we had Jose Jose Canseco Street, a street that was named after Jose Canseco, who I can think of great reasons to name a street after Jose Canseco, but most people wouldn't agree with me. I just think he knew how to party. But um, like, I don't know if if that's the case. Then like, you know, put Dave on a on a street. 
Um, Did you see the thing about Bruce Lee County? No. What happened to Bruce Lee County? Okay, so this just came out. This is hilarious. So there's a whole movement in Lee County, Florida, Uh because obviously it was named after Robert E. Lee. There's been this whole movement there just to not change the name, but to change it to Bruce Lee County. Nice. I support it. I strongly support it. I do too. (laughs) That's great. And if you're going to put a statue up, it should be Bruce Lee. (laughs) So the last thing I want to talk about tonight, uh, uh, we'll end on kind of a lighter note. Um, gotta ask both of you, Dave. I know you own Jen. Do you own or do you rent? My home. Yeah. Okay. Own and selling and moving and buying a new home. Okay. Why? So, as you think about buying a new home, what if I if I as your realtor disclose to you that the home had formerly been occupied uh, or had been used as a um, a meth lab? How much of a discount would you be expecting for that? Dave, let me start with you. Let Jen mull that over for a second. Because <laughs> in Vegas, it's different. It's In Vegas, it's much more likely. First of all, they're not yeah, going to disclose it. Yeah, it's every other house because, on the street. Like, there's there, there's sure. not enough data space to, to hold. Like, yeah, exactly. All the, the That database would be too large. But Dave, how much would you be expecting off? How much uh, concession would you be expecting? I don't, I don't know, but to your, to your last point there, uh, our Wax Tracks building, literally both houses to the left and right of it were meth labs at one point. <laughs> is that really? You know what's funny is that, I don't know, did you guys watch Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. Okay. So ever since that show, which was one of my all-time most favorite series, every time I drive by a termite tent, yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> yep. That's what's oh, going they're on. cooking meth. They're cooking in there. I know that. And it really was brilliant, if you think about it, as a cover to be putting the tent around the house. A Perfect. mobile lab. So Yeah, I don't know if it would bother me. I, I don't know. Now, I would clearly, I would prefer a, a marijuana grow house. Yeah. You know, that actually I would pay extra. Pay extra, yeah. especially if like um, some of the equipment is still there and you can kind of, if it's more like a turn, could, turnkey you operation. You could probably just rake a few buds off the floor from the carpet or something nice. and it would be worth it. <laughs> um, so this comes from the uh, Miami uh, Miami New Times in your neck of the wood, it's, wood, woods. It's the Broward Palm Beach New Times. But um, okay. this is from uh, Michael uh, Matrovich. I think that's how you say his name. Florida home buyers willing to move into former meth labs and drug dens. And this is about our very overheated housing market here in South Florida. Oh. After three floors of a luxury condo building in Ball Harbor were evacuated Monday evening owing to concerning items found in an evicted unit so volatile that the Miami-Dade bomb squad was called, it's clear that you can't judge a potential home by its alleged status as a meth lab. Units at Majestic Towers range in price from $1 million to $5.7 million, which also nets wow. you a sleek, high-ceilinged lobby and waterfront views. You should, uh, you sh- Why should some harmful fumes and highly explosive chemical compounds <laughs> keep you from scoring a huge discount on your dream home? The reason that this is funny for those of you, I think, I mean, if you're listening in this country, you understand the joke here is that our housing market in South Florida for sure, but also in the rest of the country, is so hot right now. That people are willing to, um, you know, with the right considerations, buy a freshly defunct meth lab. Um, (laughs) If you're among the roughly, again, from the article, if you're among the roughly 50% of 3,000 prospective Florida home buyers who participated in a survey on behalf of American Addiction Centers, investing in property that was once a clandestine methamphetamine production site or drug den is all well and good. As long as the seller is willing to come down on that asking price by as much as, and here's what it was, the average was 44%. I think that that's too wow. much. I think like- I do too. I feel like- it's a lot. Good fucking luck, well, by the way. Nobody's coming matter? down. 
why does it matter if the house used to be a meth lab as much as it would matter if your neighbor had a meth lab? Right. Like if, if the house used to be a meth lab and it was cleaned out and there were no chemicals and there was no stuff in it, I don't see, like to me, I don't see what the deal is. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a condo and your neighbor's got a meth lab, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that could actually hurt you. Now, I, I mean, yeah. like I, I think back to the stories from like more than 10 years ago about like the Chinese drywall and stuff like that and like how, how bad that was. I wonder if there's something to that. Dave, you live in meth land. What, what do you know about this? <laughs> I don't know anything about That doesn't about... mean he knows a lot about meth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know anything. I, I, everything I know about meth, I learned from Breaking Bad to bring that back up. So, yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's more likely to be baking cookies, to be honest. That's with right. Me. Actually, not anymore. Not so keto much. Cook keto cookies. Keto so, cookies. Um, yeah. So, okay. 44% off. And, uh, Jen, as you're out there looking... Should be forewarned. Forearmed is forewarned. Uh, buyer beware. Caveat tour. In Florida, 877 known properties were once uh, once were clandestine meth labs, according to the most recent research. And wow. the American Addiction Center on their website, if you are a home buyer, they have a database because that information is apparently not readily available um, you know what actually where i'm moving into i would have probably preferred it have been a meth lab than the lady smoking cigarettes in her room because oh, that's that to me is actually worse yeah so. that's true dave you live in cigarette land tell us about um no <laughs> i actually uh, do do you, how close do you live to planet 13 dave uh it's it's about 20 minutes away uh been there once that's the mothership yeah mm -hmm. have you been yeah one time when they, i think back when oh. they opened maybe but yeah Oh my God. I have, I love that place. That's like Nirvana. For it's me. wild. I'm so happy. You get like your personal concierge uh -huh. that comes and walks you through. Oh, it's a lovely, it's the most amazing cannabis buying experience ever. Oh, I thought you guys were talking about a meth lab. I was like, how do you guys know? No, about I wouldn't. I remember when that place opened though, I was like, what, what is this? Like, it's this big, huge, beautiful building. And it's like, yes, of course. And it is on the inside too. It's, it's basically like a best buy of weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful I can't believe thing. you didn't take me to this, Dave. Is this where they used to I have know. fries? Ne next time. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Fries was uh, – uh, Jen's an East Coaster. She might not know fries is like no. – uh, like if you just – Oh, I know. Oh, you mean the electronics? Yeah, store? yeah. There's a there's – a... My husband's from – my husband's from Calabasas. Ah, okay. So there you go. But there's I'm a defunct – there's a defunct fries, um, right, you know, on the south part of Las Vegas Boulevard that is – just this cat, because what do you do with those things when they're not? I still think they're going to turn it into a mega church. That's my guess. Yeah, it's gonna it, be the it would be it would be a good mega thing church. ever. Um, well, what happened with the Kmart's? Yeah, like I thought, you know, a, a lot of those, all the big retailers that Jeff Bezos is systematically like disposing of. Mm -hmm. um, what, what happens to those? They just sit abandoned, and then maybe they become. See, now that would be a good meth lab. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you blow up one part of it, and you just move like. 200 yards down the road and pop, pop up another one. <laughs> All right. Our guest tonight was Jen Perlman. You can find her at generationalchange.com. So, again, that's with a J, not the G, J. Jen is in her name, generationalchange.com. Um, Jen, where else should they look for you and what else do you have coming up besides the cute dog that you're holding? Oh, that's Lulu. She's also part of our show, actually. Not that anybody could see this, but you guys can. But for people that um, subscribe, they get the Lulu sticker oh. on our Patreon, so uh, which is fun. That so is we've got part. our show. We're on Twitter at JenFL23, uh, and that's generally the best place where we're, you know, people can find out all the stuff we're doing. 
And yeah, it's a free show. Subscribe on YouTube. We have really good guests. Uh, we had Kim Iverson on yesterday, so that was fun. Uh, we have Sam from Reset Race coming on Wednesday. And the most exciting thing for me is our Veterans Day show. We are having Oliver Stone. What? Wow. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, I've my God. I've made some good I know. That's I'm great. fangirling. It's a little weird because I became friendly. I don't know if you know who Danny Scherzen is. The um, Have you ever heard the, of Daniel Scherzen? Yeah, yeah. Is, Look him up. Is he, He's amazing. He, is he um, a composer? Is he a musician? No, 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 no. no. He's a veteran um, who is also was a teacher at West Point, a professor at West Point. And he, he has books and he lectures and he stuff. And he's a very anti-war mm, um, okay. voice okay. and an anti-war activist. His name is Surgeon, S-J-U-R-S-E-N, Scherzen. Okay. Um, he's amazing. And anyway, we've had him on and I had a really good time with him. And he's friends with Oliver Stone. Wow. So he, he and Oliver will be joining us on Veterans Day. And we're actually working on and trying to hoping to maybe convince jesse ventura to come on oh so my God, that would be a huge nice. coup that would be a coup i well i mean like i would be like a pig in shit like i don't even know if i what i would be able to do but like oliver stone to me is huge like i have mad respect well so, if the um, governor turns you down you can just have me come on and do my impression of him yours is pretty good Peter it's does close him. it's not that close it's pretty bad still it gets mixed up with bob's burger not, peter does it have you heard peter's have you heard peter's no i haven't i haven't he does he does bernie trump clinton biden and he does jesse but um and he does arnold schwarzenegger but like <clears throat> he's great like he'll and we have he has the masks and he'll pull them on and do like the shtick <laughs> nice. but, um, so anyway That's we have a veterans day show and we're just, you know, we're trying to transform politics into service. That's all we're trying to do. Jen Perlman, thanks for coming on Bird Road. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.